Hello, everybody, and welcome to Garage Days at Gwinnett Tech. I am your host, Robert Bauman, the program director for the General Automotive Program here at Gwinnett Technical College. For those of you that don't know about Gwinnett Tech, we are a two-year college located just outside Atlanta, Georgia, and we offer 140 different programs, including automotive, or as I like to say, if you have a taste, we have a flavor. If you would like to know any more about those 140 different programs or the automotive program, please visit our website at gwinnetttech.edu and you can find information on all those programs and contact information if you want to contact anyone in those programs. If you are a first-time listener, welcome to the podcast. Hopefully the description piqued your interest and you're looking forward to learning about the automotive industry through the eyes of an educator and an educational facility. If you are a return listener, thank you so very much for the support. We really do appreciate it. Hopefully this means we have the hook set and you're enjoying the content that we're putting out there for you. You know, during this series, I have talked about a lot of things that go into teaching automotive technology to this new generation of technicians and this varying demographic of students. I talked about how we teach the nuts and bolts of being a technician, the technology that's behind it, work ethic, um, various demographic groups and the challenges that we have with that. But another big part of our mission is to get these students employed in the auto industry so that they can use what they've learned with us while they've been in school. We as instructors have to keep current with the technology to teach these students, so that's changing on a rapid pace, and we have to make sure that we are educated on that, trained on that, and are able to turn that information over to them in a way that they can understand. So that is something that we are current, up-to-date on, because we have to do it constantly. But when it comes to applying for a job or getting a job, Most of us have been lucky enough, like myself, the last time I had to apply for a job was over a decade ago. And you might not think it, but even in that part of the industry, things have changed a lot in the last decade. And we are not experts on that because it's been so long since we've done that. So to ensure that we give the students the best information that we can, we enlist outside help from someone who is an expert in that part of the industry, and they come in and they try to help our students get a leg up in trying to land that dream automotive job. The Hennessy Automotive Group here in Georgia is one of our largest supporters of our program. Not only do they help us out with donations and scholarships for our students, but some of their personnel give us their time, whether it's service managers or the owner has come by periodically to speak. They're part of our advisory board. And the subject of today's topic requires yet another expert to come in and help us out. And Hennessy gives us a hand with that. Kristen Owen is the HR specialist for the Hennessy Automotive Group, or as I like to say, the HR whisperer. And she comes in every semester and speaks to our introduction students and teaches them how to make a resume, uh, different things to do during an interview, do's and don'ts when you're getting ready for that interview, and other ways to market themselves outside of the traditional resume. And Hennessy has hired a number of our students, so they actually get to see some of the results of the training that she gives to our students. 
Kristen was kind enough to stop by today and share a little bit of time with us and give you guys a perspective of the automotive industry through her eyes, which is a little bit different than ours. So without further ado, Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Before we get started, Kristen, why don't you give us a little bit of a backstory about you and how you got into HR and tell us a little bit about the Hennessy organization. I've mentioned in the past few episodes that Hennessy is one of our biggest supporters, but if you could tell us a little bit about them, that'd be great. So I started my career with Hennessy a little over eight years ago. I had just graduated with a business degree from Georgia College and State University and kind of fell in love with HR and some of the classes I was taking there. So I knew I wanted to go into the HR world. Um, Landed my first job with Hennessy out of college. It was about three months after I graduated. When I first came on board, you know, I thought car dealership, uh, not really something that I'm super interested in, but I'll get some experience under my belt and maybe move on a couple years from then. But here we are eight years later. Hennessy is a fantastic organization to work for. They provide incredible growth opportunities and they really believe in the statement, take care of your employees and they'll take care of your customers. They've been in business since 1964. They're still family owned and operated and they wanna continue to be that way. And they're focused on growth right now. Currently we've got 10 dealerships. We work with 11 different manufacturers. And like I said, with my career growth and the career growth of other people, I've gotten to see a lot of other people become really successful starting off in entry level roles. That's what they truly care about. They, they care about their employees and making sure that they are taken care of. Well, I can attest to how Hennessy's are. They do hire a lot of our students and I have heard a lot of good feedback from our students as far as the work environment and what it's like to work for them. Now we here at the college, we teach the students the nuts and bolts of being a technician. We actually teach them how to fix the cars, we teach them about the technology, and we sprinkle in some work ethic. But you know what? None of that matters if they cannot get a job. Us instructors, well, we've been fortunate enough to not have to apply for a job for many years. Myself, it's been 10 years since I've had to apply for a job. So to say we're not experts in job applications and interviews, that's a little bit of an understatement. So to make sure that our students get the best information possible, we do call in the big guns to help us with that. And Kristen does do that for us. Now, Kristen, when you come in and talk to our students, have you seen that our students are sort of unprepared for these interviews or resume preparation? Keeping in mind that some of these students, this is their first and only application for a job. That's kind of tough when it comes to hiring students. And yeah, that's this is a lot of times this is their first professional career that they're applying for. But when it comes to technicians and in our industry specifically, a lot of experienced technicians don't even have resumes. They get jobs based on reputation and people that they know. So we're relatively lax when it comes to technician resumes. But when I talk to your students and they're looking for advice, you know, most of them don't haven't really taken a resume class before, have a lot of questions, don't know where to start. I keep it to a short list. Keep it simple. Uh, you know, include your school, Gwinnett Tech, and the graduation date so I don't have to guess when you're going to be graduating. You know, list any certificates that you've obtained and maybe a short objective statement on why you're interested in applying for that specific role and what your career goals are. I'm also kind of seeing a shift across industries, especially with this current short staffed labor market of people going away from those traditional resumes. Um, some people in professional industries are solely relying on LinkedIn profiles, and others, of course, rely on 
referrals and references. So I'm going to be interested to see how that continues to trend in the future. Resumes may totally go to the wayside, who knows, but they're still important today and that's not what's going to get you a job. It's going to get you an interview and it's how you show up and converse in the interview. That's when it's going to get you the job. All right, Kristen, see, that's what I mean about how things have changed that I wasn't aware of. You just talked about LinkedIn and all of that. Well, back when I applied, it was still typed out resumes and didn't have Indeed and all that kind of stuff. So it's good to see that someone like you is coming in to explain this stuff to these students. Now, I know you do talk to our students about the importance of driving record and drug testing, as do we. We try to emphasize to them the importance of having a good driving record and, I mean, goes without saying the importance of having a drug-free record. But what are the reasons from from your perspective, from HR at a, at a dealership, that those areas are so important for the students to understand? Yeah, so our biggest hiccup when trying to hire anyone for all of our dealerships, no matter what role, is going to be the driving record. So just as you have to maintain insurance on your car, our company has to have insurance on all of the cars and inventory and customer cars that are in our possession. So for that reason, our insurance company has some rules. If you get in an accident in, in your own vehicle, your deductible may be $1,000. But if it's in a dealership vehicle or a customer vehicle, it can be up to $10,000 for our deductible expenses. So again, that's, that's why they have rules. They run driving records on all of our employees four times a year. Um, so they take it very seriously. If you're under 21, you can only have one driving violation within the past three years. And then anyone older than 21 can have three moving violations within the past three years. But if you've got any DUIs or reckless driving tickets, those are going to be automatic knockouts. And it's sometimes we can go to our insurance company and make exceptions, but a lot of times they're going to tell us, no, we're not able to hire that person. Drug screens are obviously important as well. Um, we work with a lot of heavy equipment, whether we're doing test drives or working in the shop. And if you're impaired, they can be a huge liability and potentially dangerous consequences. So we only do pre-employment drug screens right now. And drug screens, if you get in an accident, obviously you can't drink alcohol on the job either. And drugs are going to be no different. Well, as much as driving record and drug use and all that is important to getting a job and maintaining a job, the other thing I think that this generation sometimes doesn't really understand is their social media behavior. Whether we like it or not, social media is everywhere, and everybody spends a lot of time on it. And my mom always told me, once social media started coming about, was that once you put it on the internet, you can't get it back. You can't erase it. You can't change it. So I know that some people don't quite understand that, and they will sometimes put things up there that are either inflammatory, derogatory, or things like that. Do you feel the students understand how that can affect them in getting a job or actually keeping one? Yeah, so there are really kind of two pieces to this whole social media conversation. The first one is going to be, you know, pre-employment before they get the job. Um, that one's pretty dependent on our hiring managers. Some of them will check out socials on their candidates. Um, from an HR perspective, I prefer not to because I don't want to introduce, you know, undue bias in that process when making hiring decisions. Um, but it's perfectly legal to check socials. So if there are any red flags on there that managers see, then that could potentially knock you out of the candidate process. Um, the other piece is, you know, during employment. We don't actively keep tabs on everyone 
socials, but if you decide to become friends with your coworkers or connect on Twitter, whatever it may be, and you say something derogatory or offensive and it, that coworker reports it to us, then we're going to have to check it out. We're going to have to do disciplinary action and up to termination depending on the offense. Um, I don't think students realize how damaging that can be. I mean, this this generation of students graduating these days, they grew up with socials. They grew up with all of this technology. So they probably weren't thinking about that when they were 12 years old. Um, so certainly, you know, keep it professional. It Everyone can see it. It doesn't go anywhere. Um, it's, it's very important to keep that in mind. One of the things that I saw after I stopped being a technician in this industry was I saw a lot of dealerships refer to their technicians as investments. And unfortunately, I was never really referred to as an investment. I think the times have changed. And that is one thing that I have heard from the Hennessy's is they talk about not only their technicians, but the people that work for them as investments. Can you explain to us what they mean when they talk about making an investment in these people? Yeah, so we were really fortunate a couple of years ago, gosh, about six years ago now, to recognize that it wasn't really profitable or efficient to continue to steal technicians back and forth from other dealership groups. So for that reason, we chose to, quote unquote, invest in the future generation of our technicians. And that's when we became involved with schools like Gwinnett Tech. Um, so when we say investment, it starts, you know, even when it, before they work for us, whether they even want to work for us or not. I spend a lot of time in these technical colleges and high school programs talking about career opportunities and what Hennessy has to offer. You know, we attend career fairs, we do mock interviews, host open houses to help expose these students to this industry. So, again, whether they're going to work for us or not, that's an investment on our time that we're giving the students. Now, if they would like to join our team, we're gonna work with them to work around their school schedules, no matter how crazy they are, to make sure they can still learn and continue to get their degree um, while also learning with us. And then when they do come on board, we invest usually in a starter set of tools for them and a roll cart because we know that can be a really big barrier to entry into this industry. We also pay for all of their manufacturing training, which whether it's online or in person, and then if if they go on to get their ASCs, we will reimburse them for any ASCs that they pass. So we really invest heavily um, in our technicians and in their training to make sure that they can become successful because technicians are without a doubt the most important people in our business. The entire dealership staff can be eliminated, but the technicians cannot. They are what they are the lifeblood of our business. So we know the Hennessy's philosophy towards employees and, and how they view their technicians and everybody who works for them. And they are involved with uh, high schools and technical colleges. So tell us, how do the Hennessy's view technical education in this day and age? Yeah, technical education is really important. And as someone who was told my entire life, you know, you have to go get a four-year degree, whether you want to or not, whether you know what you want to do with your life or not, this was really eye-opening for me. In most positions within a dealership group, you don't need to have any kind of formal degree or education to be successful. A lot of what we do can be learned on the job, and we train on that. So we don't have minimum education requirements. Uh, what we do prefer to look for, though, is those important soft skills that we can't teach you. So things like a good attitude, willing to be a part of a team, showing up on time, wanting to learn. We really can't teach you those things. They're either within you or they're not. We also operate on a set of core values as a company, which are accountability, 
integrity, kindness, teamwork, curiosity, and grit. Um, so that's really what we interview for and train on because we really can't teach you those things, but we certainly can tell you where you fall short. So we don't hire people that don't encompass those values, formal education or no formal education, experienced technician or inexperienced technician. Uh, we've actually let some of our top technicians go because they didn't encompass those values and they weren't working well on a team and they were just kind of toxic in the shop. So um, education to kind of wrap that up is really up to the individual. Some people are going to benefit from getting their two years associates. Some people may go on and get their four-year bachelor's degree. Others are going to gain more from just being hands-on in the business. So it's really up to the person and what they would like to do and what their goals are. All right, the last serious question. I know you guys have hired some of our students since you've been helping us out with this portion of our program. And have you seen when you've gotten those students in front of you an improvement in either the interview quality or the resume quality or the preparation as a whole since you started helping us out? Yeah, I've definitely seen an improvement, especially with resumes. I think people can be so nervous, though, going into interviews that they can be awkward no matter what you're interviewing for. The most important thing is just to try to relax and have a conversation. Um, I like to think I'm a pretty laid-back interviewer. I typically don't ask those questions about what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses. I ask them why they want to be in automotive, what their career goals are. So usually that's pretty relaxed, and hopefully I make them feel that way. And it's more my job to kind of determine what store is going to be the best fit. Um, from there, they interview with our service directors if it's they're interviewing to be a technician. They're also pretty laid back. They asked about some of the hard jobs that they've done, what they like to work on, what skills they're missing. And as long as they can hold a conversation and use eye contact and are open to learning, it usually goes pretty smoothly. I think what's more important though is that the interview is the first impression. Are they dressed professionally? Are they on time? Did they prepare any questions to ask? So treat it like a job interview because it is. All right, so we can take you off the hot seat with all the serious business questions, and now we can sort of get your view on automotive industry and cars as a whole, just how you see things. So tell me, you've been around automotive people and stuff all day long. This is your job for, you said, the last eight years. What has surprised you the most about cars? I'm sure some things have rubbed off on you. Yeah, so the biggest thing that surprised me with cars is kind of how technology-driven they are. There's so much science and math and technology that goes into these things. They're kind of computers on wheels that can take you thousands of miles. And that technology gets more and more complicated each year, too. Um, I tell the t our technicians they're not mechanics. They're more like IT professionals for cars. They're working on a lot of these computer systems. Um, one of my favorite quotes is from Robert Hennessy. He's part of the third generation of the Hennessy family. Is Cars have never been this complicated before, but they're never going to be this simple again. That's crazy to think about. It's incredible how quickly this technology is changing, and, and cars are no exception. They're evolving constantly, which is why we've got so many training courses that our sales associates and technicians need to take because they've got to stay up to date on all of that knowledge. All right, so kind of piggybacking on that a little bit, is there any specific car maybe you're a fan of, any car that you'd love to own for sentimental reasons, or maybe a car just for fun? 
Yeah, so I'm probably not the best person to ask that. I'm definitely not a car person. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing being in this industry. So I think my answer to this question is really boring, and you're not the first one to ask me this. Uh, but I've only ever driven Toyota and Lexus cars since I've been driving, and they're very reliable. They're comfortable. They get me from point A to point B, so that's really what I intend to drive for the rest of my life. I, I currently have a Lexus ES. I would love to eventually maybe own an RXL. Who knows? Could be a hybrid if I go crazy. Who knows what the future holds? But yeah, I don't, I don't have a, a big dream car like most people do. Okay, you say that's a boring answer, but I'm going to disagree with that. That just shows you how people view cars as a whole. Not everybody's a gearhead. Not everybody views cars like I do. My audience is very familiar with my answer to this question, and I have to give you a snapshot of that. Think 1980s, Miami Vice, Lamborghini Countach poster on the wall. Yeah, that's my dream car. And then my sentimental car is a 1978 Trans Am because that was the very first car that I bought. However, I have known a lot of people over the years that maybe their family or themselves drives a specific brand of vehicle, and because they've never had any problems with them, they're comfortable, the technology's at an acceptable level for them, they become loyal to that brand. So it's people like that, people like you, that still keep this industry alive and thriving. And now for the last question that I ask of all of my guests, because I really want to see how people view this. Um, I want to know how do you feel about the industry's push towards self-driving cars? I mean, you can't turn on the TV without seeing commercials for Super Cruise and read things online about Tesla with autopilot. And, you know, again, my quick take on that is not just because I'm a gearhead, but because I like cars. If I want a self-driving car, I'm just going to call an Uber. You know, I like driving a car, whether it's to the grocery store or to work. You know, how do you feel about that? I know a lot of this new generation, they're kind of excited about it, but what's your take? I mean, I think it's kind of inevitable, but we're still pretty far away from that. It's, of course, an intriguing concept, but we've seen so many safety issues with these self-driving vehicles that have come out. So for that reason, I think a lot of consumers are really hesitant, myself included. Um, I personally would prefer to see more of a push towards better mass transit systems, if you ask me. But I think as far as an industry goes, we're more closely watching and preparing for the push towards all electric vehicles. Uh, those certainly also come with their own set of problems, but I think we're going to be closer to all electric before we get into self-driving. Well, thank you so much for your time, Chris. This was a great interview. It's always great to get different people's perspectives on the auto industry, especially people that help us out and are such a big part of our program. I uh, hope to continue working with you guys and hope to continue having you a part of the program to make it better. So thanks again for your time. It was really fun. Thank you for having me and thank you for everything you do. We're very grateful for our partnership with you guys. Well, we've reached the end of another episode. I really enjoyed doing that. I really enjoyed talking with Kristen. I think it really shows the partnerships that we have and the value that they have with our program. You know, we're always striving to give the best to our students and give them the best tools to go out and be employed in this industry and keep this industry thriving. And I think when we can pull in partners that are experts in areas that we as instructors aren't, I think the end product is, is better. It benefits everybody all around. So a big thanks again to Kristen and the Hennessy organization for all that they do supporting our program and supporting our students. In the future, I plan on having more people on here who are involved with our program from different aspects and you can kind of see how it all ties together to make the program what it is today. 
So if you would have any questions or want to know more about the automotive program or any of the 140 different programs offered at Gwinnett Tech, please visit our website at gwinnetttech.edu and there's links to all the different programs where you can get in touch with anybody and we can try to answer any questions as best as possible. Thanks to everyone for listening and their continued support of our program. But most of all, I want everybody to remember the one important thing that I'm trying to convey in this whole series. That no matter what, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, technicians keep the world rolling.